Once upon a time, there was a young man named Antony. Antony came from a wealthy family, and he grew up in comfort and security. He had two loving parents. He excelled in his studies, and he was, he was destined for great, great success. But then one day, while he was still a very young man, disaster struck. Antony's parents died. And while this was of great personal tragedy to Antony, his parents had made sure that he was going to be okay. They had provided for him. And he came into a sizable inheritance. One day, when he was about 18 or 19 years old, Antony went to church in a small rural parish. It was Sunday. And in the gospel text for that day, Antony heard Jesus say to a rich young man, go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Antony was amazed. He did not hear that word as being directed to somebody else, but rather, Antony heard Jesus speak that word directly to him. And when he heard it, Antony did not spiritualize those words. He heard them quite literally. In describing Antony's reaction to hearing those words, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, said, Antony, by the grace of God, was an unenlightened literalist. <laughs> For in point of fact, Antony sold everything, everything he had, and he distributed his inheritance and possessions to the poor. For the next 15 years, he lived a, a simple life of service in his community. And then in time, Antony responded to a new call, and he, he headed out into the desert by himself alone. There he wrestled with demons, and he dedicated himself to prayer and to meditation. And then after that time, Antony settled down, and he, and he founded a monastery where men who felt a, a similar call could live together under a common rule. Indeed, it is from this final act that Anthony stands out the most, for he is considered one of the founders of Christian monasticism. In this way, Antony of Egypt became a great inspiration to the church of his time, and he became a beacon of light to his generation and to ours. But let's be honest. There is something so jarring, so baffling about Antony's call and his response to it. It is so serious and it is so radical. He heard God's call in Christ and he became a new man. He lived a, a transformed and altered life. In a time of crumbling and corrupt em empire, Antony heard Christ's call to live in a profoundly different way, and he went all in. 
His call is startling and baffling. And to my mind, it's seemingly miraculous. Indeed, to my mind, it was this story of Antony that came to mind when I heard this morning's gospel lesson. Because here is also a baffling story. Jesus is is walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees four men. He sees Peter and Andrew and James and John, and Jesus calls them to follow him. And the thing about the text is it is so sparse. It leaves us shaking our heads. Surely details have been left out, right? A backstory has not been filled in, right? Why would these four just drop everything they own and leave their family in the lurch without some sort of a cause or an explanation that gets described to us? Why are we not given some sort of insight into what Peter or Andrew is thinking? Why are we not given the details about James and John? Did, did, this, did they clear this excursion with their dad, right? It seems like details are missing. And so these calls seem baffling, and, and maybe in that way they seem a bit unrealistic. And yet I believe that the gospel author Matthew just wants us to see the, the brute force and the brute fact of this call. The details, psychological or otherwise, are simply not the point. The call is the point. The follow me and I will make you fish for people is the point. Jesus issues the invitation and the command And the only thing that can be done in the face of this invitation is to immediately leave one's nets, leave one's boat, and leave one's father and follow Jesus. And yes, there is something baffling about these four dropping everything and following. But if we are honest then the whole notion of a God who calls is baffling. For indeed, for all of the claims that Christianity makes, like the Word became flesh and lived among us, or Jesus was born of a virgin, or Jesus was raised from the dead, perhaps none is more miraculous than the claim that we believe in a God who calls. Perhaps nothing is more amazing than the idea that the God who created interstellar space, who created billions upon billions of galaxies and trillions upon trillions of stars, who is the source of countless planets and quasars and the endless variety of life, that this God, this God, calls individual human beings to a purpose and to a mission. That this God calls a people to a way of life that bears witness and shines light. We make this remarkable and startling and baffling and amazing claim that God in Christ calls us to come and follow. For indeed, Jesus is not just speaking to Peter 
and to Andrew. Jesus is not just speaking to James and John today. Jesus is speaking to us. Jesus is calling us to come and follow. And indeed, I want to say this morning that in this lesson, Jesus is talking to you. And if you need proof that you are called, then let me ask you if you are baptized. Are you baptized? Then you are called. In your baptism, you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you might follow Jesus and live as Christ's disciples. Pure and simple. Are you not baptized? There's probably some of you out there. But you're longing to be baptized? Well, guess what? You were called. We can arrange that baptism thing, too. Come talk to me. We'll get that taken care of. Are you not baptized and you're pretty sure now that you don't want to be baptized? (laughs) Well, I can totally get that under the circumstances. But again, I want to say to you, I don't think that means you're off the hook. For indeed, God might be calling you to service in your own particular, particular situation and condition. My point is this. Don't assume that Jesus is talking to anyone here but you. Don't assume that Jesus is talking to those first four disciples or to your preacher or to the person sitting next to you in the pew. No, Jesus is talking to you. Jesus is calling you, saying to you, come and follow. Now, I will admit the details have to get worked out, don't they? I don't expect anyone to go dropping nets and charging out the door. Yes, the what, of it, the what now of it all has to be answered, but the call, the call is there. You are called to come and follow. Yes, perhaps, thankfully, most of us will not experience our call like Antony or like Peter or James or John or Andrew. Most of us will not be called to leave it all behind. In fact, most of us are called to answer our call in the context of our current relationships and our current circumstances. We will not get the, maybe the the spectacle of leaving it all behind in one dramatic flourish by dropping our nets and walking out on our dads. And yet perhaps for Antony and Peter and the like, it was simply easier just like I think it's easier for some of us who are called to ordained ministry. In some ways, simpler for us. The the path is more trod down. The signposts might be a challenge to follow, but they are clear. Your signposts might not be so clear. You're going to need prayer. You're going to need discernment to know how you might best follow, as will I. But the brute fact of it all is that you must follow. That's where your joy will be. That's where your happiness will be. That is where you will truly discover yourself. You must follow. 
For Jesus says to you, says to you, come, follow me. Amen.